Welcome to Gritty Girls, the podcast. I'm Jillian Christie, and my passion and calling is really all about helping as many women realize that they have a scalable superpower, grit. If you're into hearing from badass, world-class women who just happen to be top chefs, athletes, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, artists, and activists on how they achieve their loftiest goals despite their greatest life challenges, then you don't want to miss the Gritty Girls podcast. Your journey to get inspired by phenomenal women around the globe and to learn how to cultivate more grit in your life starts now. Today's conversation is with Gritty Girl award-winning chef Miss Claudette Zapeda. She's a James Beard Best Chef West semifinalist, Henry Crown Fellow, and two-time Top Chef competitor. She'll give us the dish on becoming a teen mom, opening an Oceanside concept during COVID, and the unbelievable odds and treatment she endured on her journey to the top. Stay tuned to know where you can gain access to her personal recipes and cooking classes. And please do me the biggest solid. It would mean the world if you go ahead and hit that subscribe button today. When I first met you, you told me a little bit about your story coming up into the world of culinary. And it was super inspiring. So I'd love for you to, to maybe give us a little background on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it goes it goes back to how I was raised. Um, so I spent my life, I was, I was born in San Diego, and I lived in TJ and Tijuana at the border. And then uh, every spring break, every winter break, I mean, before I went to school, half my year was spent in Guadalajara at my Aunt Lorenza's house and her restaurant. So um, from the time I could walk, I was on a, I was actually on a baby carrier on an Ido Mexico flight with the stewardess, and then it would hand me off to my grandma. Like since I was three months old, that was my life. I was shipped back and forth because I was the only girl of the eldest son. So I was already kind of like the golden child, and um, so my life is always like one foot in every in each country, one foot in two very different parts of Mexico, from the northern to central Mexico. Um, and seeing when I would go to Guadalajara, seeing my aunt be such a fucking boss, like she would run through her restaurant and it was like, oh, Doña Lore, like no one fuck with her. Like she had six kids, put them all through the universities with her restaurant, uh, single mom. She left, she and her husband, her second husband divorced. She widowed at like 16. She got married at 15, but from the love of her life. And then he got into a car accident um, after her second baby was born. And so she was, I mean, this woman had gone through it. Uh, and this, these were the pillars in my life were these women. And when I decided to become a cook, it was, uh, my son was born and I was 18 years old. I didn't have, I was like, I barely, like literally with a freaking skin on my teeth, I graduated high school, um, at, through learning centers. So it was like a, a program that is set up for kids to fucking fail. Like it's set up for when they don't want to you to bother them and like, just go there and, you know, self-study. And then if you don't make it, you don't make it like no harm, no foul. Oh, wow. Uh, and I was told two weeks before I was supposed to graduate, I was working a full-time job, like literally 44 hours a week. Um, I had gotten special permission because I was in such a uh, small hours in school. They allowed me 40 hours of work. Um, so I had a special work permit at 15 and a half. I was working 40 hours a week. And by the time I came to graduate, my, this is how shitty and how they, the system wants you to fail, wants kids like me to fail. The counselor went up to me and she's like, so you're missing seven credits. So you're not walking. Um, if you maybe get them done through summer, you'll like get a degree or you get your diploma at the end of summer. And I was like, Oh no, no, no. What do you, how many do I need? She's like, Oh, you need seven or six. Can't remember. And I was like, oh, I'll turn them in next week. Or I'll turn them in by the end of the week. And she was like, no. And then I turned them in. I got them all done. And she said, that's impossible. You can't graduate now. And I lost it. And I was like, this is such bullshit. And I, I, I kind of like that fire was percolating underneath the surface. Um, but I stood up for myself and I said, no, you said I needed credits. Here are the credits. I am capable. I was just working. Um, and my priorities were I'm a teenager. Like my mom didn't care what the hell was going on. My dad didn't care. So of course my school went to the wayside. Like it was fine. 
Um, and then so fast forward, I had my son, I go into the school to get my transcript for art school. And the same, that same counselor that told me I wasn't going to graduate tells me, yeah, you should just go to community college. Like you don't want to go into debt for this art school. Like you're, yeah, you know, I, and then she saw me with the baby, you know, you I see you with your baby, like just do something else. Like you don't need a degree to be a cook. And this is, this is what I was surrounded by, you know, and, oh my God. and Imperial beach, it was just like, no, no one makes it in this town. Like just get used to being a fucking loser. And I'm like, that's, that's what, what I heard was go to community college, fail community college. Cause no one that's like the 13th grade. It was like a joke for our high school. It was like, no, you go to Southwestern college to become a professional student. Like, no, you, that's not a career. And, you know, just being told every time I went to try to do something that I wasn't going to be successful at it. And even from my kid's father telling me people where we come from don't make it. So I don't know why you're trying so hard. Uh, And that built that shield, you know, that started packing on that metal that went all over my body to be like, okay, I'm done. Like I'm done. And my daughter was born and I was cooking. I was in the industry and I learned real fast that I had to be part of the boys club in order to be successful in this industry. Um, thankfully I grew up with a bunch of boys. I have five brothers all together. So I was okay. I was comfortable in that world. Um, and it started becoming, I had to just literally tiptoe this line between like testosterone and estrogen. And I had to be the peacock and I had to be the demure, quiet child, the woman that needed to just fucking be seen and not heard. Um, it's a hard line to, to balance I mean, a a woman in any industry, really. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my very first pastry cook position at a fine dining restaurant, I was told I was a piece of shit and I didn't know how to cook every single day. Like if one thing was wrong in my prep, it would all get thrown away in the trash. It was, uh, we had to do our own dishes in the pastry studio. So I would literally go and cry while I did dishes. Like it was probably the most. Uh, I, I see pictures of myself of that time period and like my long, my hair was like down to my butt and I like, my eyes are like devoid of life. Mm. Um, and now I'm obsessed with portraits where I see the fire in people's eyes. And it's a very specific like little glimmer that you can see on a human expression. And I see these pictures of myself and I don't recognize myself. I'm a ghost. Wow. Um, and you know, I remember, I remember having to be part of the boys club so much that it, there would be p- points in my career where they would offer me a whiskey and a cigar and I would take it because I knew if I didn't take it, I wouldn't be offered it. And I wasn't going to sleep my way to the top. So fuck it. A bourbon and a cigar was the way to do it. And I I remember sitting in my car, not being able to fucking drive because I was intoxicated and I was like, well, I guess I'll just sleep in my car, sleep it off. And that was a huge like wake up call. And I spent three years making nine bucks an hour at a hotel. And when I asked, I was like, can I, you know, is there any way like I can get more money? Like the it was when everything crashed. Um, and the hotel industry was laying people off left and right. And the dishwashers though, at that point had already been making before all the layoffs started happening, dishwashers were making like 13 bucks an hour. And I was making nine with my name on a menu. And this was as a pastry chef. As a paste, my name on the menu. Yeah. Um, I asked, you know, is there any way I was on welfare? I was on WIC. I was on food stamps. Like I was just trying to get out of the system that they put you in. And it's this vicious cycle that you go through this system where if you get a good paying job, they take the aid away. And then if they cut your hours, sorry, your aid's already been reestablished. So then you're, you're forced to get a lower paying job in order to like, it's the system's broken. It's not meant for us to succeed. Um, and thankfully I'm on the other side of it now. Um, but it, it, it was hard. But that took a lot of, a lot of you kind of breaking through everything that you kept hearing, everything, every way you were treated to kind of yeah. get to that place. Like, can you explain like how you were feeling when you would hear those things every day and you kept going? I know you, you mentioned you didn't recognize yourself. How did you get yourself back and how did you like keep driving forward? Um, I think a hundred percent it was between the kids and just knowing of where I came from. Like, 
my grandmother, my mom's mom that practically raised us. She was my roommate when we were, when we were little, um, she was left after having her 16th child, eight of them died. Um, and then her, my grandfather left her to start a new family and had eight more kids in Guadalajara. And these are the women that I come from, right? Like you cannot. Saints, actual saints. Yeah. Wow. No, yeah. Like badasses. Like these wow. are warriors. And, um, as you know, in recent years, I've been more of a child of like the spiritual realm and understanding like family trauma and that it's, it replicates itself and it's cyclical and especially in women. And we are encoded with the power and the trauma of all of our four women. Um, so that's been a lot of the work is like channeling. Whenever I hear no, I say yes and take pictures, you know, like mm. I don't, I don't take no's and I don't take criticism to heart because it's not a reflection of me. It's a reflection of that person, um, how they feel their insecurities. And when someone talks shit about something that you're doing, it's usually because they are mad that they can't do it too, or their, um, their insecurities come to the surface. And I've, I felt them. I, you know, I have, I have said, well, why her and not me? Uh, when the conversation is, what am I doing? That's not showing up. And then when I am showing up, Oh shit, the opportunities do show up. If I show up, the opportunities show up. Um, and as her success is not any less, doesn't make my success or my failures any more or less. Um, so it's a daily like mental struggle. Yeah, it's you bring up a great point though. It is very like part of being resilient and all those things and having perseverance, it is the mental fortitude. It's, it's yeah. just being aware even like what you're saying is when someone says no, or when they treat me this way, it's not a reflection of me. And, and that's a huge piece to the puzzle. Um, mm -hmm. because I think so many, um, people, young women, especially when they hear that they take it in, they internalize mm -hmm. and that's yeah. what stops them from moving forward. So you bring up such a great point, like where else, like in your life, whether it be personally too, mm -hmm. did you, did you, you know, have to keep going and, and kind of, you know, um, shut out the mechanism, the noise, you know? I mean, when my daughter was born, I left their father and that was, uh, I just knew I couldn't raise a daughter and, you know, how do I tell her not to have someone treat to them like shit or her like shit, or how do I teach my son to be a good guy? You know, and it's like, you do, you get what you accept, right? Like what you let happen to you, you're the only one in control, you know, like that oh. whole, and it's like, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. That Roosevelt quote always resonates with me. Like, you know, you can't blame someone else for what they're doing to you because you become a victim and the victim, and there's no time for being victims. There's no time to be a martyr. Like all there's time for is work and what you want as a result. And so you have your vision board or mental vision where I have actual vision boards and I look at them daily and some of them are superficial. Some of them are like spiritual. Some of them is like, okay, it's a goal, a work goal. Um, but there's always, there's always a goalpost it just never, it's not static. It always keeps moving forward. Uh, it's, we're never satisfied with the status quo. We always want a little bit more. What can we do once we, once we succeed on what we want, how can we help others? Um, and then that's, you know, I try to teach my kids that and by no means is it a clean process. You know, there's days where I don't want to get out of bed. I really, I don't want to answer my emails. I'm like, mm, three days, no shower. It's okay. I can, uh, my hair's not greasy enough. I'm good. You know, like sometimes I just don't want to, I don't want a life. Um, but I have to show up every single day. I have to show up for whoever's watching. I have to show up for my kids. I have to show up for my mom who deserves to not be the manager at a shitty complex near the border. Um, and deserves not to not know if her car is going to start the next day. Um, and it just, those are the people I show up for. And those are the people that are like, when I hear no, I'm just not even thinking about the no, I'm thinking about who is expecting me to show up. Yeah. And that's so, it's so beautiful. And thank you for sharing that because I know a lot of people, not I think, but I know a lot of people, they, on the outside, they see someone like yourself, who's really just, you know, crushing it at life. And you're about to go open a concept on the beach, you know, all the things. 
and they think you're probably just popping right out of bed and doing the thing every day consistently. And it's not like that. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why like when you do keep moving forward, it is that, you know, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot sometimes, but it sounds like, like your inspirations are the people you love and the people you mm -hmm. want to show up for and all those things, um, which is awesome and, and, and such like a valid and, and noble cause for sure. Uh, with your daughter, especially, how old is she now? She'll be, well, she's 14. She'll be 15 in September. Wow. Okay. September, wait, September what? Third. Ah. She was, actually, September 11th was her due date and she was born the third. Oh, wow. 14. Yeah. Okay. So what, and you probably, you know, because you have all these elements to you and you're, you know, you've done so much for your kids as it, as it were, but what do you tell your daughter? Like, what advice would you give her moving forward into the world? I feel like you've, you've shown her by example, mm -hmm. um, but what do you tell her or what would, do you want to tell her? I mean, I tell her all the time that, you know, also she's not listening. I wasn't listening. Right. right. 14 I, years old in one ear at the other. <laughs> yeah. I can say a lot of fluff um, and I do it, but honestly, like, and I tell her all the time, it's like, I know you're not listening to me. I get it. One day I'll be your friend right now. I get it. I'm mom. What I say goes in one ear comes out the other. If I tell her like, be a strong, assertive female, why are you crying? What is that solving? Crying is not a negative thing, but if it doesn't have a means to an end, don't do it. Cause it's just for theoretics. Like, there's ways to communicate without tears. And the reason why we don't get the respect is because we cannot communicate. So when you, I can cry. And as I said this, and when I was doing Top Chef, I was like, I will have tears running down my face as I slit your fucking throat. And I said that to the <laughs> producer. I was like, do not mistake my tears for weakness, but they are a vehicle for my emotions. And being an emotional person is a strong person. Totally. Um, and yeah. I want to teach my daughter that like, you have to, it's a dance. Just like when I, you know, I talk to my kids about like when I grill and when I deal with fire, it's a dance. You're dancing, you're manipulating an element and our emotions are a human element. So we need to manipulate them, not manipulate others, but manipulate our own feelings to not let them take over our actual like process in our brain. Um, so we don't, you know, just use all of our logic and not heart. And, you know, it's always a balance. Um, so and they yeah. always inform you, right? Like our emotions are informing us of how, like what's right, what's wrong. Like if we want to accept something or not. And I, I don't know about you, but when I'm sure when I'm sad, I cry, but when I'm angry, I cry. <laughs> like it comes out my eyes. <laughs> I shake. Yeah. I like cry and shake, convulse yeah. a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, that's, no one can teach you that. Like, I don't think we I would ever listen to our mothers that they said that we have to go through it. And, you know, my daughter's already hit a few teenage, like, you know, hit right to the shin. But all I can do is be there for her and tell her like my life experience. I've never shielded my kids from my life experience. I mean, some things I've kept to myself. But for the most part, I was like, I was an idiot as a teenager. Like I was a complete idiot. But the difference between my teenagehood and yours is that yours is completely in display of the entire world. Anything right. you do on your phone is a, it has a digital scam. So if you send a boy a boob shot, guess what? That is going to be in there forever, like forever. It's out in the world, in the interwebs. Yeah, I was like, so you need to know that every single step you take has to have an intention because everyone is watching and what you say matters. And the younger generation is now watching. And, you know, like I, I just try to be, I try not to be too like preachy. I try to be my kid's friend. And I always told them since they were little, let me teach you my ways. And then if it's your job to absorb them, I said, but don't make me be your mom. And that's the same yeah. how I lead my kitchen. Don't make me be your boss. Let me be your ally. If I have to be your boss. Ooh, I like that. It's just, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard vibe for all of us. If I have to be boss, if I can be an ally as a mom, as a, as an employer, it works better for everyone. It's a more harmonious environment. If I have to start cracking the whip down in any part of my life, I hate it. I hate it. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. I like things to go drama llama. No, thank you. Like, no drama llama save it for your mama oh yeah I, I have no drama in my personal life in my work life there's no room for it like amen, amen sister cut it out yeah I don't people that are like that like when you I always 
gauge if I can be someone's friend on how I, how their response is on how are you doing? If it starts with like dumping a truckload of like, oh, the world is on fire and my life sucks. And I, I just can't. You're like that's your sign. Yeah. And it's also about protecting your energy, right? Like I don't, I want to protect my energy. I don't know if I can, cause I am also a very emotional person too. I kind of absorb those things. And yeah. anyways, speaking of drama though, you brought up a uh, top chef. That seems a little dramatic. I mean, it always looks dramatic to me, yeah. but like, how did that experience, like, what did you take away from that? What was your biggest takeaway? Well, I did Top Chef Mexico first, and then I did Top Chef US. Um, and in Top Chef Mexico, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. It was very hard. It was physically hard. The director was the first time he was directing a TV um, series. And so he had it, he had this vision of that we should be Top Chef meets Survivor meets uh, Amazing Race. Wow. Um, every <laughs> obstacle, every knife running around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the contestants like literally almost died in when we were in, um, we were in the jungle of Nayarit in between Nayarit and Jalisco. We were like in Vallarta, no Vallarta. So it's like right at the border. And one of the challenges was through the jungle of Nayarit and she were we were on these like four by four raptors and she stood up when we were pulling these um flags to represent the baskets we were going to use during the quick fire um and she, we were told don't put on your seatbelt and there's gopros everywhere and don't put on your seatbelt you need to get out of your seat well she wasn't used to off-roading i mean that's the one good thing of being a feral child like i was i was used to being on dirt bikes on four by forerunners whatever um, so she stood up and her helmet hit a net and she was slung backwards, hit her second, like, I think second degree fracture, um, hit to the back of her neck. And then she went forward, smacked this, lost teeth, oh um, my God. Her, the helmet. Yeah. Like from one millimeter from her jugular air flighted out of there. That Ooh. was top chef Mexico. <laughs> um, but it was a really good. So when I had gotten that, I had gotten fired from my job that I had opened Bracero for Javier Placencia in San Diego and I'd gotten fired. And the reason was I was too militant and I was too, um, I was too, the employees didn't think that I had like a good, a good vibe that I was approachable as a boss. And I just, I was like, I'm going to call bullshit. And I like showed up all the receipts of how the morale that I was paying for of like, we're going to have meetings, we're going to have donuts, we're going to have fun. But when it's time to work, it's time to fucking work. Like put your head down and work. Uh, James Beard, best new restaurant nomination, never happened in San Diego. And it was under my leadership. It was a team effort, obviously, but it wasn't Javier. Like Javier was never there. It was me and my team doing it. And I got let go because I was a female that I was disposable because also something that I do in my training is I make everyone know how to do every job in the restaurant, including you know, so it's like, I, there's no, there's not one piece of the puzzle. If it doesn't show up, it's, it continues running and it's you don't it's get that effort. Yeah. And most restaurants are like, well, the grill guy didn't show up. So I guess we don't have a grill guy. And I'm like, no, there's not, there's no, no one that's going to put us in a delicate position. We're always going to be able to react accordingly. Um, so I was the most disposable income or expenditure at that point. And, um, so instead of having the courage to tell me that they couldn't afford me or something, um, I was just let go because I was too hard. Um, I actually wasn't let go. I was told to come in for a meeting, but my email, everything got shut off two days before that meeting on my day off. So they didn't even have the balls to tell Suspect. me. My You're yeah. like, interesting. I have a meeting in two days and none of my things work. Yeah. Um, so I told them to go fuck themselves. I wouldn't get, I wasn't going to go to that meeting. And I told Javier, I was like, I need you to tell me in my face what the hell's going on. Cause I am getting fired for telling them no, because of you, because I answered to my chef and they would give me a direction. And I'm like, let me check with Javier. Let me check. I was like, That's just how I came up in the industry to check with your chef. You don't make the call. Your chef does. Okay. Um, and even if he wasn't there. So uh fast forward a few months, Javier actually put me up for top chef Mexico and he said, go. And it was a great way to measure my skills with other pupils of my heritage and um, Bracero was the first time I had done a Mexican project um, and it was like it lit up all those like all those pistons that were kind of dormant it started that ignited that fire um, so I went to Mexico City and I was like well let's see let's see what the other dudes are doing or the other girls are doing and um, I'm at 15 of 
lifelong, like my best friends. I just had a Zoom with all the girls the other day. And that's awesome. We, I mean, it, there's no other place and time where you can get so many strangers together that grew up exactly the same way. Their mom cursed at them in the same language. The, <laughs> the fucking chancla flew at the same speed, you know, and, and <laughs> in the States, you're just mixed with a bunch of other people from all over the States, but it's a, the energy is different, right? In Mexico, it was all Mexican kids. Like we were all, it, and it's just by the nature of where, how the show was. It wasn't any racist undertone. It was just, we were in Mexico and with Mexican chefs. Um, but yeah, so I left Mexico feeling good. I actually came home from Mexico after three months in Mexico city. And then one of my best friends, one of my soul sisters that I, met and fell in love with was from Oaxaca or he's from Oaxaca. Um, and I came home one week and I missed her so bad that I flew to Oaxaca for another week to just spend with her, do a temascal. Um, she has her own temascal at her mom's house that she had built specially for her. So we did the whole ceremony together and, um, that was Top Chef Mexico. It was a visceral uh, upheaval of what I thought I was and who I was then like I buried that person and, and came out a Phoenix kind of. That's awesome. That's so, and it's, it's almost like what a, you know, serendipitous way to kind of go, you know, leave Bracero on such weird terms. And, and I'd love for you to expand upon that too, more as like the difference of if you were a male versus a female, (laughs) you know, if that would have, if it would have came across the same way. Right. Yeah. Um, I would have, and I told Javier that in Armin, I said, if I was a, if I had a dick between my legs, you'd be giving me a raise and firing maybe one of my two sous chefs. If I, if I had a dick between my legs, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You would have been calling me a great leader and wow, thanks for these accolades, like good work. I never once got thanked for any of the accolades. It was like, hell yeah, we're doing it. And it's like, no, 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 no. The kitchen's doing it. Like this is room being rewarded for the food, not for the ambiance, not for the service. It's the food. And that it's a fucking grind. It's 240 seats, two kitchens. I had 30 staff members. Like it's like raining cats, wet cats. Like they're angry all the time. And every every cook has its own, their own like microcosm that they run around with. And there's shit that I had to like maneuver through. Um, but because I was a woman, I actually was asked, is there anything going on at home? Wow. Wow. Interesting. And I hate pulling the woman card, but it's just so blatantly obvious no, in my industry. Uh, no, it's, it's very valid and it's prominent. You know, it's, um, a lot of males don't get asked the same questions we get asked, um, like very blatant, you know, oh, she's, she's pregnant or this is happening. You know, there's a lot of bias against just being female in general, much less the things that go along with that. Um, and just socially as well. Right. Like, oh, well now you do have kids, so you're not as committed all of a sudden now. And that's, that's, I mean, complete erroneous thinking, you know? So no, it's very valid. And I, you know, if you want to expand upon it, please, by all means. Um, but I did want to ask you, I know you're, I know, um, can you say the name of the restaurant at the hotel again? Oh, Lila. Well, the name of the restaurant, that's our, uh, I have a name for it, um, but we haven't landed on a name for it. Oh, so got it. The hotel is Alila Morea. Um, okay. And then the um, food venues are, are to be named in the next couple of weeks. Um, I can up with you so I know what it is (laughs) so I can tell the people you know give them what they want yeah I've named it Galene um she's the goddess the Greek goddess of fair seas um she makes sure that the the seas are calm but um they don't necessarily understand why I want that name so I have to kind of state my case which I'm fine with it's a bunch of creatives that need to know why um Mm -hmm. so I'm okay doing that, uh, but I have a couple other names in the hopper. We'll see what ends up. (laughs) Can't wait to see what y'all land on. But has that, I mean, has coronavirus, okay, 2020, here we are. It's freaking wild out there. Um, How has that affected? I mean, has has opening date pushback? Like, how is it affecting anything? Is that in the conversations that you're having? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think our entire industry is – 
like the day of reckoning i don't think has really shown up yet um it's still we're still like in microquakes right that we're like fuck this the ground isn't still the ground is still shaking for the entire hospitality industry um we are it's clear as day we don't get paid enough it's clear as day that we cannot continue charging two dollars for anything um so people need to fucking get used to paying our worth and like and that's just if you want to come and eat at some chef's restaurant you know it's so funny i mean i've been went on this rant this morning and not a rant but i we're coming up on my one year of my restaurant closure and i was just like okay let's let's like i was cracking my knuckles and i was like let's tell them how it is today <laughs> and i just woke up on the sassy side of the bed and was like you know people of color um and every ethnicity it's not just mexicans i can only speak to mexicans because um that's where i feel that i can speak eloquently in in an educated form of my culture uh, but it goes to any any restaurant that has um any i hate using the word ethnic cuisine that's just the that's what it is it, it, it is brown food um it gets stamped with you're not of value um if i i will pay 700 dollars to eat at 11 madison park and i will not pay 17 dollars for that pozole you crazy woman even though there is eight ounces of organic fucking pasture raised pork cheeks and that corn is grown in mexico by non-gmo farmers that you know exactly like you literally the bag has a family name on it hmm. you can present a proper product and that you are growing the lettuce and the chilies and the tomatoes that are in that freaking bowl I'm not paying $17 for that. You're on crack. You should be charging $5 because we're right next to TJ. So when TJ charged me $5 for this pozole, what makes, what makes you so special? And that's every single day we face that every single day. Wow. And people will say, well, that's not racism. Bullshit. Bullshit. Totally. You just don't want to call it that because it sounds, it, it's, it makes you feel insecure or it makes you feel like you're being attacked. But everyone has racial bystanders and uh, racial biases, and we we grew up with them. But it's time to say like we're done. And a lot of this next chapter is holding a microscope to every action that we do, because not because we're afraid and trying to stay PC and not ruffle feathers, but because we are doing the work that is going to make life for the future generations a lot better. So much better. And it's, and I love what you, you mentioned, like we all do have biases and the sooner everyone, you know, kind of cops up to that, like the, the sooner we can start to educate ourselves and others and like move forward because it's, it's not a given. There's a lot of people that are like, no, not me. It's, uh. Yes. Yes. You, if you were, if you were born and raised here, yes, you, because we're, we've all been in the same education system. We've all, you know, you name it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very important. Okay. I'm talking about all that for the, oh, I feel like I said, but segue down the rant, but yes, the hotel <laughs> is like, all of that is, has a play into the menu we write into the voice behind the the concept into who we are as a culture for a, a hotel um post covid world there's like i call it like 2019 bc before covid and then like 2021 post um it's an intentional world that's that's the only thing that i like it's an intentional humanity uh, so that's what we're trying to do with our food what we're trying to do with we're, we know people would be like just it's a ridiculous concept to think that you're going to make a million dollars next year on a concept for food it's not going to happen like mm. we no one should go into this industry ever thinking they're going to be a millionaire um but the biggest thing you can take from it is like baby steps and every step has to have an intention so just be mo that's what we're trying to do totally um, now I feel like we've really hit, like hit hard on like how you've really persevered in your career life and like all the amazing accomplishments that you've, you've come to enjoy. Um, but like, what do you do? Like, what's it, what's a daily self-care thing you might do to like stay like you're, you're a fun, loving, joyous human. How do you stay there? Um, I, <laughs> this is my desk. I'll show you. Like it, my desk is in my room. That's my like fancy. This is my my going out closet rack. <laughs> um, I have my sage. Love. I have my Palo Santo. 
I have like 20 different incense things. I, it's ridiculous. I'm a ridiculous human being. Like, I love it. I have all the same. matches the surroundings. Look at this shit. Yes. All the, all the drops, all the gems, all the things, all the energies. I, I, I fall asleep listening to sound meditations. Um, I wake up listening to sound meditations and uh, manifesting meditations. And I, I make daily goals of like what, like some, but some days I also don't make any fucking goals. Some days I go, I just want a coffee and to be left alone. I would like my children not to acknowledge me today. That would be great. Sometimes that's the most important thing you need. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You know, they're teenagers. They can wipe their own ass. They know how to keep themselves. Um, a big thing of this time period of Corona is um, reacquainting myself with my kids. They have spent the last three years with a ghost of a mom. I've been traveling mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so they've had to kind of help raise themselves. And I raised two very independent children. And we had to remember what it's like, A, being a full-time mom, and B, being full-time ki kids to a stay-at-home mom, because now I'm working from home for most of the days. Um, so it, every day, it's like I try to read at least a chapter of a book. Um, so I, I have, a like right now on my desk, that are non-food related, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books. So I try to like rotate something from it and then I write cliff notes in the margins because I don't read them consecutively sometimes so sometimes I'll be like oh what was the last chapter about so I write my little nerd notes um, <laughs> what's your what's your theme of books are they all different or yeah all different what's, what's your favorite fun? one you're reading right now right now David Brooks is the secret mountain uh, yeah it, that's a good one yeah like I, I try not to be super self-helpy um, but sometimes you need it. Sometimes, you know, uh, in order to become a self-aware human, I think that it, we need to be self-reflective of like, oh, maybe I'm really sucking in that department or really? I'm not really strong-willed and I need to develop better coping mechanisms, whatever, ha you know, I'm not a perfect human. I'm a very flawed person. Um, but I am aware of these flaws incredibly so. And I've always had people in front of me in my life that goes, here's a mirror. You can sometimes suck and it's okay as long as you don't suck permanently um and my kids are greatest they're the greatest mirror for that oh I love that I love that and it's so true and you you said awareness and that's the key you know that's where everything starts that's the that's where change can start is you know first yeah. step aware being aware mm -hmm. now I know so I, I know I already asked you kind of like what advice you would give your daughter right now she's a teenager mm -hmm. but knowing everything you know that you know, it's taken you from, from A to Z, where you're at now in your life and career, what advice would you give yourself at 16, 17, 18? I would give myself the same advice that was actually given to me and that I, it took me a long time to take, but I would, I would regurgitate it to myself as a 16 year old. And it was stop paying attention to others. They're not a part of your success. Uh, you are your own success, um, and, you know, and I, this was told by one of my mentors, one of my best friends, and I remember I used to go to him and just bitch about what someone else was doing or not doing, and then he was like, how about you put your head down and just work and forget about what the other person's doing, because last time I checked, they don't pay your bills, and it was so, like, ooh, so you know, for someone to tell you, quit bitching about it, do something about it, and mm -hmm. by do something about it, it's when you do the work, eventually the people that need like people get themselves fired all the time you do not it's not your job to point out other people's flaws it's your job to work on your own and your own success and that was like something that i was you know as a teenage girl you're always like well i want what she has or i want what he has and why isn't that my well how about you just work on it and eventually those things if they're meant for you will come to you that's so important for you you're yeah that's so important. It's like that, you know, that saying goes, comparison is the thief of joy. But I also think of, of progress too. Yeah. You know, it's the thief of, of joy in life and then the thief of, of progress in any one thing because, oh, I can't do it like they're doing it. So I know like as a perfectionist, uh, perfectionist trait that can also kind of, uh, you know, paralyze you in a lot of ways too. Yeah, for sure. And always takes you down. A, a nasty little road. <laughs> it's not a good one, but that's great advice. It's a hundred percent great advice. That's what I think 
you know, especially in our day and age with social media and -hmm. all the things like, I feel so lucky you and I grew up not having that. Yeah. Um, Even though we're probably comparing ourselves to people in school or, you know, people in the magazines, you know, what are those anymore? I don't know. But, (laughs) but, you know, and, and kids these days now they're on the TikTok. I mean, I shouldn't say the TikTok. The TikTok, wow, Jordan. Well, well, that's your age. <laughs> All right, boomer. <laughs> They're on TikTok. They're on Facebook. I mean, we were on Facebook, but there's Instagram. There's all the things. And yeah. there's, it's, they're so, it's like platforms that are readily available to compare yourself to anyone at any given time, across, uh, the globe over, right? So it's, it's got to be so much uh, harder to kind of, you know, put the, put the blinders on this day and age at that young, impressionable time in your life. Um, so, you know, kudos to the kiddos that are doing the things, you know, pushing through because <laughs> it is, it's a hard time. I can't even imagine. It's um, and it's hard to raise teenagers in the same period, like to teach them to be self-aware and like, uh, I mean, like I said, my daughter's gone through it this year. Um, We've had one of the hardest years we've ever had in our entire life this year from her trying to fit in. Um, And she crashed and burned and it's okay. You know, I was there to help her and it was a great learning process for me as a mom, as a woman. Um, Then to see both my kids, you know, my son hasn't had a girlfriend ever. And he's just, just not into that. He's like, I, I, the drama, he's, he's always been surrounded by way too many women. Um, and he's just was like, I just want to work and play sports and play video games. And he is so aware of who he is as a person at 17 years old. I wish I had that self-awareness. My daughter has a little bit of a rough for go at it because she's a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just made of a lot more parts and uh, emotions uh, but I, and I try, just try to tell you, tell her that that's also her superpower. Like all those emotions will make her a better partner once she learns how to uh, foster them and how to hear them before they're coming. And, you know, PMS is a thing. I am also a Medusa, but you know what? You don't blame that shit on anyone but yourself. If you're an asshole, you can be like, oh, today's going to be a rough day, guys. Here we you know, are. I, I just throw out the disclaimer. I'm not really feeling like myself, so if I snap at you, I apologize. I you know, always I'm not too. I'm like, it. here's the deal. Hormones are a yeah. thing. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, we can foster them for evil or for good, and that's, that's what so I'm true. Saying. That's so true. And and being sensitive, whether you're male or female, I mean. I, it's in our society, it's looked down upon essentially. But I think in, you know, more recent times, it's, it has been like the light has been, you know, shining on it as the superpower, right? Because now you can connect to people. Mm-hmm. You can connect. Whereas before, if you're not opening that heart space, that sensitivity, that empathy, that compassion, all the things, how do you connect to anyone? How is that even a thing? Yeah. So, um, and you know, my girl, I say my girl, I just, I just love Brene Brown, but (laughs) um, she, you know, and she talks all about that. So um, no, it's so important. That's really cool that your son is like super aware. Um, But yeah, as a teenage girl, that's, that's hard. That's really hard. How did that, did that bring y'all closer kind of going through that? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, and she did all the stupid shit that I did. It was literally textbook teenage Claudette, like sneaking out of the house because of a boy and a boy told her it was cool and then let the boy in the house and I was like I was in another bedroom and my spidey senses kicked in and I caught it before it went crazy um but it was a big wake-up call that also because I had been traveling so much and she felt disconnected from me and it was her way of acting out and it was a big wake-up call of like how can I keep her safe if she feels that she cannot trust me? So that was a, a lot of work to do. It was, it's been, COVID has been a blessing in disguise for a lot of things, um, but we've come out of it uh, much stronger, thankfully. Yeah, no, totally. I, I totally agree with the blessing in disguise piece. Um, I just think, you know, for, for a large amount of people, and I can't speak for everyone because I was reflecting on that this morning. So many people are probably in just like, way worse positions and I can't even imagine. 
um, what some of them are even going through, whether they, they're sick or financially or whatever have you. Um, but for a large majority as well, I think it's, it's gifted us this time to like look inward or spend more time with our people and mend or strengthen you know, whatever those, those bonds are and what those look like. So I totally, I'm with you girl. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I guess, I guess life is weird right now (laughs) and it's going to be weird for a little bit. Um, I keep seeing these funny memes. COVID has been great for memes. Memes COVID has been great for memes. (laughs) I, I am here for it. I'm so here for it. Yes. (laughs) My my greatest takeaway from 2020, it's the midway point of the year. So I could say this so far are the memes. That's my favorite part of the year. No other redeeming quality to this year so far. <laughs> Absolutely none. Not not even one. Um, okay, so tell me, like, so what are you excited about right now? Like, is it the restaurant? Like, you tell me. What are you excited about? What inspire? What's inspiring you right now um, in this weird time? I mean, I I don't know what I think. My the most exciting thing for me is being able to create uh, my future and write down my history and my path by myself without someone um, dictating me or pushing me or nudging me or me being afraid of someone else's feelings so I have to diminish my own light um you know 2019 was a divorce year and restaurant closure year so I mean 2019 rattled the shit out of the cage um and 2020 and looking forward is I get, I get to be myself with, um, unapologetically. And I've always been pretty unapologetic about who I am, but um, with a, a sense that there's someone that I have to like walk on eggshells for. Um, and I'm done with that. Like I'm get on or get the fuck out of the way because this train is moving a hundred percent forward. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to create. I have amazing partnerships coming up with brands that I believe in and that are, um, a hundred percent behind me. I was named a Henry crown fellow, uh, the beginning of this year, which is a, a really big deal. Um, I tell, am, what, tell me about it. Like, what is the Henry crown? Um, what is it called? You said Henry crown, Henry crown fellowship. So wow. a group of individuals, um, that are working towards global change and, um, that are like, I am humbled to be in this group of individuals, like the PhDs and the CEOs and the leaders. I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm not worthy of that uh, to be in this group. I absolutely have worked my ass off and I've earned my spot. Um, but just to be in that company and to be in company of so many people that are self-aware that are looking to make a better world for the future. Um, it's just amazing. And it's through the Aspen Institute in Colorado and uh, started by Henry crown. I mean, you can look it up. There's so much information about it, but basically it was started to do good with what he had. Um, so this fellowship started and every year they pick 21 fellows, 22 fellows. I think our class is 21, maybe 2021. Um, and they, they, literally task you to look inwards and be extremely critical with yourself with others and how can you enact change Um, and it has some of the best people like historically it's like a fraternity of skull and bones crowd where you just you become part of a fellowship of people that want to do and leave a better place now I'm tasked with by the end of my fellowship uh, through the like onboarding process and everything by the end of our fellowship um, career we are tasked with now what do you do to pay it forward um, how do you enact change so like starting a business type thing of like okay how do I start a business that helps others and so it just again it, it's um, it is a being of service to others that's the biggest thing being of service to others without any sort of you know bias or um, underlining uh, quid pro quo type of deal. That is beautiful. That is such an honor. That's super cool. And like out of only 21 people that are picked for this thing, that's huge. That's so cute. Yeah. 500 get put up for it. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Congrats. And fucking CEOs and the people that start up shit like SpaceX type people get put up for these positions. And then the badass Claudette. (laughs) 
<laughs> I barely graduated high school. That is so <laughs> rad. I am so here for it. That's amazing. Uh, I can't wait to hear like how it's all going. You know, you yeah. have to be in the loop on that. Go ahead and share where people can find you on IG or your website, all those fun things. Yeah. So right now I'm, I'm still, so I have programmed my own website by myself. It is a work in progress. Um, but on there I have, I call, I don't like blog. I hate the word blog. So I call them musings. Um, so on my website at, it's a www.chefclaretzepeda.com. Um, and that has my cooking classes on there where it has my recipes and the video attached of the live cooking class. I do, I try to do two a week. Um, I took this last week off. Um, so it has a bunch of recipes that people keep asking me for, but I do believe I'm paying it forward. So instead of just giving out free recipes that are like live, my blood, sweat and tears, um, I give 50, excuse me, I give 50% of the proceeds to no kid hungry. Um, this oh, month I'm doing an all to equal justice initiative. So the equal justice justice initiative is for, um, the jail system and the incarceration system of, you know, every crime should be charged accordingly, not by biases, not by racial sex, all that stuff. So, um, it's going to that for this month. And, um, on Instagram, it's at chef or at Claudette Azapeda. My middle name is Amy. So A I M E. Um, so yeah, at chef a, oh, no, sorry. Instagram at Claudette Azapeda. And then my website is chef Claudette Zapeda. Awesome. And I'll put that all in the, you know, in the description so people can, can find you. Um, but thank you so much. This was like such a treat. It was such a treat to have you and talk to you again through like all the things, you know, I, I remember when I first met you, I was like, like, I, I knew you were just an interesting person just by like how you carried yourself and all the things. And then we started talking. I was like, this woman has a story. Tell it. That's amazing. Um, so I just, I am so grateful to you for, for coming on Gritty Girls and, and sharing your story with future Gritty Girls and, uh, and existing ones alike. And yeah, and keep us posted on, uh, on all the things, all the projects, all the fun things. And I'm definitely going to be going to your website and getting all those recipes. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Gritty Girls, the podcast you come to for your dose of badassery and inspiration from some of the most influential, accomplished women on the planet. Please subscribe today. I would super appreciate it. I'm Jillian Christie. This is Gritty Girls, and we'll see you next time.